Well, hello and welcome to this week's Photographic Life. Just a few days ago, an email dropped into my inbox and this is what it said. From time to time, you speak about photographers not responding to your emails and you also talk about the outrageousness of various fee structures in our industry. And I had both of those in mind a few weeks back when I tried an experiment. From time to time, people contact me over Instagram and ask if I'll do a portfolio review for them. Usually, I don't, because I don't have the time to really give them a thoughtful and honest assessment, and I hate rushing through a body of work and just shooting from my gut. Sometimes I'll say, just send me three pictures and I'll tell you what I think. But recently, this photographer wouldn't take no for an answer. So, I told him, fine, but you have to pay me for my time. How much, he asked. I said, whatever you want, whatever you think it's worth, but no more than a hundred dollars. So I spent an hour looking over his stuff, making notes, etc. Then we talked on the phone for 30 minutes. I gave him my PayPal details. He never sent a cent. Nor did he send a thank you note or a note that said it wasn't helpful and here's why. Just nothing. So while photographers complain about how much things cost and how hard it is to break in and make connections with the establishment, there's another part of the equation that needs attention too. In this case, for the low, low price of a couple of cocktails, this guy would have had a connection and a mentor, but they blew it. I added that little bit at the end there that they blew it to the email. But to me, that's the perfect kind of ending that wasn't in the email that I was sent. We have high expectations of the people we connect with and who commission us. But are we really instigating the same kind of high standards to ourselves? I completely agree with that person who sent me the email that the photographer had, had actually acted very poorly. I received another message, this time myself from Instagram, uh, again just a few days ago. And this message was from a student. And the student said that their photo course had set them the task to find a mentor for three months, to give the student a minimum of 30 minutes each month as a mentorship for free. I believe in sharing knowledge and experience and not charging. But in these difficult financial times, this seems to demonstrate a complete lack of empathy and understanding by the course of the realities many photographers are facing. We are in a situation at the moment which is tough for many people, not just for photographers. And in those difficult situations, I think it's really important to be polite, to demonstrate empathy, an understanding. But most importantly of all is to ensure what I call best practice, what you may also call common decency. So I really feel that photo course should be showing a lot more understanding of the reality of those photographers the students are reaching out to. I don't think it should be putting the students in that position, but hey, who am I to say? Not my course. 
But also, if you are a photographer out there and you are looking for that input and someone makes you a very reasonable offer, you've got to follow through with it. You've got to take what's said. And if there is payment being asked for, you need to pay it. Talking about the importance of information, I saw a little uh, tweet the other day that uh, the good people at the Do Lectures um, put out, and it was this. It said, listen, the best way to be interesting is to be interested. Stop being on transmit and flip the switch to being on receive. Listen hard. Listen without thinking about what you're about to say. Good listeners are sought after. I know this is a podcast and you're listening to me, and I know that good listeners are definitely sought after. But I just thought it was really relevant. And also kind of ties in with what I was just talking about there, that idea of mentorship or getting feedback from people. The art of listening is such an important art to learn. I mentioned the Do Lectures there. If you're not aware of them, just Google Do Lectures. whole series of really interesting people within the creative industries giving talks, petrochurcher talks, and also kind of little gems, nuggets of information that I think a lot of people would find very useful in these difficult times. This week's photographer telling us what photography means to them is Eduard Kornienko. But we're going to do something different this week. And in fact, we're going to do something that we've never done before. But I was so keen to get uh, Eduard onto the podcast and talking about his work. We came up with a plan and he very kindly put it into action. Basically, what you're going to hear this week is not Eduard talking about his work, but Artyom Grebnev, who will be reading what Edouard would have said if he could speak English. So basically what we've done is Edouard has um, written or recorded and spoken to Artyom in Russian. Artyom has translated what Edouard had to say from Russian to English, and he's going to read it for us this week. So, a slightly convoluted process, but I think all the worth it when you hear what Eduard has to say. So, who is Eduard Kornienko? Well, he was born in Stavropol, Russia in 1974 and became a professional photographer in 2000. In 2002, he joined the Russian Union of Journalists and he is currently a full-time photo correspondent for the regional news agency Pobeda 26 and a Reuters contract photographer. His work as a photojournalist has focused on develops, developments, I should say, in the Northern Caucasus, which has experienced ethnic and intercultural conflict and political and economic instability. His images have been internationally exhibited and he has received multiple awards in recognition of his work. My journey into photography began at the age of seven when I saw the images of our family appearing on photographic paper under the light of a red lantern in the developing tray. My grandfather and dad were fond of amateur photography. At school, at about 12 years old, I fell in love with a girl from our class and wanted to photograph her. 
My grandfather and grandmother bought me my first FED 5C rangefinder camera and I started taking pictures. The first models were cats and school friends. I also photographed that girl. My grandfather Ivan, like Melkwitz from 100 years of solitude, was an unusual person. After a stroke he went blind, but he was able to explain and show me how to make up developer and fixer by myself. In fact, he was my guide to my photography life. At school and after I liked amateur radio, played drums in a punk band and continued to shoot for myself and friends, dreaming of one day to become a professional photographer. In December 1995, Russian troops fought in Grozny during the First Chechen War, and a few days later I saw photographs uh, of burnt-out tanks and dead soldiers on the pages of the Komsomolskaya Pravda newspaper. I wanted to become a war photographer. Constantly working in the trade, I saved money for a camera and optics, and I freelanced uh, with a local newspaper in my free time. One day I woke up and said to myself, Stop doing nonsense. It's time to become a photographer. In December 1999, I got a job in Stavropolsky Gubernski Vedemosti newspaper and began my professional career in photography. Two months later, during the Second Chechen War, it became possible to fly to Grozny and make a report. Working there, I realized that I was doing my life's work, telling the world about the events. In May 2000, in the village of Ivanovska, Stavropol region, at a boring demonstration on the 1st of May, I made the Magnum photographer, Tomasz Dworzak. We talked for a long time about what he was filming, about the situations that accompanied him. He gave advice to show my pictures to the Reuters agency in Moscow and try to move on. We are still friends. Now I'm working for a local news agency for Reuters uh, as a contract photographer and shoot my projects in which I try to express myself. What is photography to me? For almost 30 years of my career in photography, I learned un to understand people, to be ready to pack up quickly and go to the ends of the earth to shoot various events. Uh, I saw the world uh, of the rich and the world of the poor. I uh, filmed the tragedy of the Baslan hostages, plunged it to a death uh, uh, of 1,200 1, meters underground together with the miners and went on stage to receive prizes for excellent footage. Photography is my way of life because I dreamed of becoming a photographer and managed to become one. My work style as a photojournalist uh, is shooting without inferring to inter events, following the rules of journalism. Sometimes it is difficult to find an idea for shooting, and then books, music, and the work of colleagues uh, come to the rescue, with whom I try to maintain respectful relations. My favorite photo story is about the students of the cadet school named after General Yermolov in Stavropol, which I have been filming for almost 10 years. These children study military art at this school, often go camping in the forest, field or military base in the village of Singilevska near Stavropol. Uh, there they learn to help each other cook, food, shoot, uh, play the guitar by the night fire. Many of them, after finishing, go to military schools and continue their military careers. In profession of photojournalist, you constantly need to learn new things. For example, how to shoot both photos and videos at the same time now. Keeping track of audio, 
pictures and photo at the same time is not so easy, but this is a requirement all the time, nothing can be done. What is photography for me? The magic of knowing the world and self-improvement. Thank you, Eduard and Artyom there for your joint uh, contribution uh, this week. So many themes coming up, as usual, and in fact, I think so many themes which are being repeated, I probably don't need to go over them, I think, this week. Um, But one of the phrases that really stuck out to me, which I really did enjoy, was stop doing nonsense. And I have to say, it kind of fits with something else that I wanted to talk about this week, which is something I've seen uh, creeping up and I don't really understand. It's a number of uh, photographers, it seems to be coming out of mainly out of Europe, who are setting themselves up as publishers. Well, I say publishers, what they seem to be doing, and I'm presuming that this isn't some kind of Ponzi scheme or scam, because they're setting up websites and so forth. But anyway, um, photographers setting themselves up as publishers to create a magazine which will rely on work coming in from different photographers for free, but which the photographers who are setting up the magazines and setting themselves as publishers are then going to charge you for appearing in. So basically, this and I'm saying I'm presuming it's not a scam. To me, it's a scam. But what they're basically saying is it's an open call, which is something we're definitely seeming to be more and more dubious about on this podcast, that phrase open call. So it's an open call where you can submit your work. They're going to decide whether or not it's any good. And then they're going to charge you for that work that they've decided is any good in their opinion and they're going to charge you to appear in their magazine or on their instagram account as i say i I think we can all see through it can't we pretty clearly but it does seem to be happening i'm seeing it i've seen it on a few occasions now so it really is photographers setting something up that i'm sure they wouldn't like to be treated in that way but they seem to think it's perfectly okay to uh, treat other people in exactly that way. So certainly something to look out for and make sure that you don't go anywhere near. Talking about that idea of people knowing how things work, it does surprise me. Well, actually, it doesn't surprise me. That's not the correct word. It disappoints and frustrates me how often photographers have to work with people who really have no understanding whatsoever about photography. This is particularly from a commission basis. And when I mean not having any understanding about photography, what I'm really talking about, I suppose, is all those different aspects that make up a photographic practice. Understanding copyright, understanding usage, understanding different types of file and how files print and what kind of files you should be sent. The difference between a raw file and a JPEG or a JPEG and a TIFF. All those little basics. In the past, it was really important that if you were commissioning photography, you knew your stuff. You knew about photography, but you also knew your job well, so that the photographer could be completely reliant on you as an expert. And increasingly, I'm finding that photographers are finding themselves in the position of having to explain some of those really basic concepts to clients 
or clients trying to get away with all sorts of copy stealing, uh, copyright stealing, I should say, and uh, poor usage, illegal usage, underpaying, and so forth. I really am fed up with uh, brands and clients contacting me asking if my students want to do some free work for them because it will be good for their portfolio. I always say no, and there's a couple of reasons for that. One, because it won't be good for their portfolio. Secondly, because if they want work done, then they should pay for it and it should be built into their business model. And secondly, it's completely wrong for students to agree to do work for free, which local photographers or other photographers should be paid to do. Why take that out of their mouths? Anyway, that's the end of the rant for this week. But I do think it's really important and it does seem to be increasingly common that the photographer is working for the amateur when it comes to photography. And where I mean amateur, I mean client. So there we go. Not a great um, place, really, I suppose, at the moment to leave it. But uh, I did want to end on something, maybe perhaps a little up note. Uh, next week's podcast will be a kind of US election special and I'll be addressing what's been going on with the election and we'll have a special guest um, that's appropriate for that. But something came to my mind, uh, a reminder, I suppose, a memory. If any of you remember the beginning of the American series Hill Street Blues, no doubt you will remember Sergeant Phil Esterhouse he used to stand out at the beginning of each shift facing his colleagues and say, let's be careful out there. I think that's a pretty good piece of advice for the coming week. <laughs>